Let's pray. O Lord God, who has left to us your holy word to be a lantern unto our feet and a light unto our steps, give unto us your Holy Spirit, that out of that word we may learn what is your righteous will and frame our lives in all holy obedience to the, to, to the same, to your honor and glory in the increase of our faith through Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people say, Amen. Let's turn together in our Bibles to Galatians chapter 4 this afternoon for a few minutes. There's also a little sermon notes page uh, that you uh, have there in the bulletin. So turning to Galatians chapter 4, uh, we're going to read there just uh, two verses, or, or one verse and then part of the second verse, verses 8 and 9, part of verse number 9, because we want to think this afternoon about uh, the knowability of God. Can we know God? And Paul said this to the church in Galatia, he also by the Holy Spirit says to us, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Verse 9, but now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be? once more. May the Lord write his words this afternoon uh, upon our hearts. Well, uh, A.W. Tozer, one of uh, great uh, uh, evangelical uh, preachers and uh, thinkers of the 20th century, uh, said in one of his writings, uh, to regain her lost power, the church must see heaven opened and have a transforming vision of God. We want to study God. We want to know who he is, what he's done. We call that theology, uh, theology proper, the, the, the words about God himself, right, as, as God. So we want to study God, know God, uh, uh, know theology. Uh, but when we talk about studying God or knowing God or theology, uh, it's not the kind of knowledge, the kind of study, the kind of subject uh, like a, a dead squid in, in lab bio or uh, any kind of experiment that you might do. Something that's lifeless, a thing that's just lying there on a table for you to examine and sort of pull apart, cut apart, look at under a microscope even, and think about. So studying God is not like that. It's not just a lifeless, dead thing. Instead, we want to know God. To study God, to know theology, is to know God. That, that's, the, that's the end result. It should be the end result of knowing theology or, or studying him. It's to know him. Uh, to be struck by a vision of who he is. We saw already uh, in, in these sermons that he's the God who says from the beginning to the end of the Bible, that wonderful phrase, I will be your God. And you, in response, will be my people. I will be your God. And so we want to have a, a captivating uh, vision of God, to be struck by who he is as a God of greatness, but also a God of graciousness, a God who is majestic, a God who also enters uh, into our humanity in our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, so that we can know him rightly and uh, relate to him rightly. So to know theology uh, is not an end in itself. It's always meant to lead us to the God of theology, to know him, to have a relationship with him rightly. 
uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, the big question that we want to think about this afternoon is, is, is God knowable? Can we know God? Can you know God? Can you? Can you know God? Wow, that's a, big, that's, a, that's a big claim, isn't it? To know God. I mean, we, 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 we prayed that we are miserable offenders, right, in, in our first service. Miserable offenders means that we, we've offended against God's laws, and so we are in need of, 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 of mercy. Uh, misericordia is the Latin behind that, the miserableness. Not that, it's not miserable that, you know, as we think of miserable, uh, but it's that we are in need of mercy. But you can know God, right? We can know God. We, we are creatures, and we can know God, the, the creator. Uh, we, are, we humble ourselves because of our weakness of knowledge and our sins and our, and our struggles in the Christian life. But yet we say we can know God. That's a stupendous thing to say. And here Paul says that in Galatians, doesn't he? He talks about in the first place that at one point you didn't know God. And then he says, but now you do know God. In fact, he says, you are known by God. So can we know God? Is God knowable? Yes. And Paul describes that for us here in these, uh, this verse and a half. It's really an amazing, amazing little set of words. That you once didn't know God, but now you've come to know him. In fact, you are known by him. It's really an amazing little sentence or two you didn't know god he tells us there in verse 8 at the beginning formerly when you did not know god you were enslaved you were enslaved to things that they're not gods right we just sing about that in psalm 115 they don't uh, they, they they look like they have eyes these, these figments of our, of our imagination that we throughout human history have turned into these idols right they have eyes they have hands they have feet they have noses they have mouths they have ears and so forth they look like us, they, but yet they can't talk, they can't see, they can't hear, they can't feel, they can't do anything. They only, those idols only exist because you have made them. And it's not just trinkets, it's not just statues, not just golden uh, idols or silver idols or wooden idols or stone idols. The, the very idols of our imagination is the same way. They only exist because we feed them, because we create them. You did not know God, he says, does Paul at one point. Now what's interesting is that you, you, you might know that Paul also says in Romans chapter 1, I won't turn there, but just to mention this, that in Romans chapter 1, Paul says something that sounds contradictory. Everyone knows God. Everyone knows God. In fact, everyone is trying to suppress, hold down the knowledge of God. Everyone knows God exists. They can look at the creation, they can look at the heavens, they can see his power and his creativity and his divine majesty, Paul says. But here in Galatians 4, the same writer, Paul, says, at one point, you didn't know God. So what gives? Is Paul contradicting himself? Is the Bible inaccurate? Is Paul mistaken? Is he speaking one way to one group of people because he wants to get some donations, and another way to another group of people to get some more donations? What is Paul doing there? What's he, what's he saying? Everyone knows God, but yet he says, you did not know God. Now, that brings us to, the, to, the, to this language of knowing or, or knowledge. There's more here than sort of meets the eye. There's, there's more going on here than just, you know, well, one verse says one thing and one verse says another thing and the Bible can't be true. 
To say everyone knows God, as Romans 1 says, it speaks, we might say, of, of more of an intellectual kind of a thing. Even a conscious thing, or maybe even a subconscious thing. Because as image bearers of God, everyone has stamped in their minds, their conscience, their heart, their soul, the, the depths of who we are, there, 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 there's something of, an, of the knowledge of God as image bearers of God. This is why societies create laws, because there's something there. There's something there. So to say everyone knows God, in Romans 1, Paul is speaking, we might say, a little more of an intellectual kind of a way. But to say here in Galatians 4 that you did not know God, he's speaking of knowledge in a more relational kind of a way. More in, more in, a, in the sense of how we would say that we know someone or that I, you know, I, I know who he is, but I don't really know him. Or I know about her, but I don't really know much about her. That's the kind of thing that's going on here in Galatians 4, this more relational kind of knowledge. And so to say that at one point you didn't know God, that, that's in fact bad news, isn't it? That's bad news. Because Paul's saying that, that you didn't know God, you didn't relate to God, you weren't on good terms with God, you weren't on speaking terms with God, you weren't on friendly terms with God, as he gives himself and reveals himself to us in his Son. And that's bad news because that means that we're in trouble. If we're still in that state of the formerly you did not know God, we're in trouble. You're in trouble. I'm in trouble if that's the case. Because we don't relate to God rightly. We know he exists. We know he's there. We try to hide it. We suppress it. Pretend he's not there. We don't, we don't want to think about God. We do things to sort of put him on the, put him on the sidelines where put them under the carpet, we put them in a shelf, and we close the, close the cabinet door maybe. We know he's there, but we don't know him, and we don't want to. That, that's the bad news. At that time, you did not know God. You did not relate to him. And so, is God knowable? Yeah. Well, yes. In fact, we, we don't want to know him in our nature, in our human nature, in our sinful nature. We don't want to know him in that right way. We want to hide from him. But, Paul says, but, he says, now you've come to know God. Now you've come to know God. So again, the Bible is using knowledge or to know. It does so in two different ways or in two sort of shades of meaning. Uh, as I just mentioned, there's sort of a mental there's, and there's a more relational kind of understanding, kind of a meaning there. To, to know God is a, uh, in, a, in a more intellectual, a more mental kind of a way, in a cognitive kind of way, versus a more relational kind of a way. The Bible talks about this when it, when it speaks of knowing, and it uses that language of knowing or to know, in the most sort of intimate of senses, is that, you know, Adam knew his wife Eve. And she conceived and bore him a son, right? And we see that language throughout the Bible. To know, for a husband to know his wife, it's that close, personal, intimate love to know. And so Paul can then say, playing off of that throughout the New Testament, for example, Ephesians chapter 5, that Christ loves the church like a husband is to love his wife. 
Christ knows the church like a husband is to know his wife. And so then he says that he knows his sheep. He knows his own. In a way that he doesn't know the goats, the wolves, and so forth. Does, does Jesus know every single sheep? Yes. Does he know every single goat? Yes. Does he know every single wolf? Yes. But he knows. He knows his sheep differently. That's that relational kind of a knowledge. You have come to know God. Before you didn't relate to him. You didn't love him. Now you have, he says. Now you have. Or another way to describe this this knowledge, even here in Galatians chapter 4, the the verses that I read, the section just before that, in the context, he's, he's trying to describe how it was that we related to the law and now we relate to the gospel. And he uses the illustration there of a child who is an heir uh, to his father's uh, property and all that he has, all the things that he owns. And he says that we were enslaved, even though we were children and heirs, we were enslaved by our sins to the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, verse 4, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption of sons. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, that that we know God now as a father. So, verse 7, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The love that a father has for his son, and a son has in response to his father, this is good news. This is knowing God in in a relatable way. In a friendly way. This is that knowledge that Moses had when he, when he got to speak to God face to face in that little tabernacle as like talking to a friend. To know God. So can we know God? Is God knowable? Absolutely. Yes. But the question is, well, but, but how? How is it that we who did at one point didn't know God in a right relational way how is it that we came to know him? Right? Paul, does, Paul just goes from the one to the other. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those who by nature are not gods. But now you have come to know him. Well, how? So, so, so God is knowable, but how? That's, that's the big question. What makes the difference between not knowing him in a right, relatable way and knowing him? in a right relationship. What's the difference there? How is it that you went from not knowing him to knowing him? He made himself known to us. He made himself known to us. Isn't that what he says in in verse 9 there? But now that you have come to know him, or rather, so Paul's going to explain now, how it is that you know, you have, you have come to know God. How? Rather, to be known, what? By God. That, you know, that right there is amazing. To be known by God. So we, we talk about, you know, knowing God. J.I. Packer's great book, Knowing God, right? That we didn't know Him, now we do know Him. 
And the difference between those two things is in that little phrase, known by God. To be known by God. So how was it? It's a matter of grace, notice. How was it that we came to know him rightly, to relate to him as a child, as a son, as a daughter, to him as a father? Whereas beforehand, we didn't know him. We didn't want to know him. We hated him. It's a matter of grace. It's a matter of grace, isn't it? It's that God has come to know us. And because God has come to know us, we then get to know him. And even that, even, even thinking that, that, that you are now known by God, even that is sort of human language trying to capture something of what it means that God has come to know us, to love us. Because we know that he's always known us. He's foreknown us. He's loved us from before the foundation of the world. He's always known. And the Son of God came down for those whom the Father gave him. He's always known us. But yet, Paul is saying here that in time, in human history, in your own life, he has come to know you. And because of that, you know him. And so God has chosen. This is the the difference between these two things, not knowing and knowing, is that God, in his grace, he has chosen to gift you with every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in his Son. We just read that wonderful verse from Ephesians 1 uh, uh, as, as a family this past weekend, that we have in Christ every single spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. How many is every single spiritual blessing? Is there anything excluded? Is there anything that, that we still don't already have in Christ? We are regenerated. We've been born again. That's a spiritual blessing. We've been granted repentance, the Bible tells us. That's a blessing. We've been granted faith. That's a spiritual blessing. We've been adopted. You see that here in in, in Galatians 4. That's a blessing. We've been justified. We've been declared right with God. That's a spiritual blessing. We are now being sanctified. That's a spiritual blessing. We are, even Paul says in Romans 8, we've already been glorified. Although we haven't experienced it yet, it's already ours. Every spiritual blessing. So how is it that you have come to know God? It's because God has come to know you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That God chooses to love unlovable, loveless sinners. It's his grace that makes the difference between the two. Paul's not saying that you've come to know God because you're smarter than your neighbor, you're better than your neighbor, you've done differently than your neighbor, you were raised differently, you were born in a different place and whatnot. No, it's because of God. To be known by God. That's grace. That's grace. Packer in his book, uh, Knowing God, has a little section where he talks about what it means to, to, to know God. And I'll stop with this. He says, to, to know God means first, as those who are, who, who, who are known by God and who now know him, well, what does it mean for us to then enter that relation 
with God. It's number one, he says, it's to listen to God's word. It's to receive it as the Holy Spirit has given it. To apply it to yourself. It's to, it's to listen to what God says. What does it mean that we can know God? It means to, 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 to read his, pick up his Bible, the Bible, his word, and read it. To listen to what he says. Right? To listen to him and to speak back to him in prayer. God speaks, we respond. That's the first thing. So listening to what God says in his own word. Secondly, to know God is this. It's noting, it's understanding his nature, his character, as he reveals himself in his word and his works. And that's what we're going to be looking at in these, in these sermons. You know, so-called attributes of God, characteristics of God. What is he like? What does he do? Why? What does it mean that he's gracious? What does it mean that God is love, that God is, that God is merciful, that God is long-suffering, that God is triune? So listening to God in his word, and as you do that, noting what God is like in his word. Thirdly, he says it means to accept God's invitations and to do what he commands. Die to your sins. Rise to Christ. Repent. Believe. Listen to what God said. When God invites you to come, he says, come to me, all you who labor and who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Heed the, the invitation. Come. Come. He gives us an invitation to the, to the wedding feast. I mean, when we get a wedding uh, invitation in the mail, usually we're pretty excited about it, right? I mean, it, the invitations usually are a little more costly than your normal sort of junk mail. They're thicker, the nicer paper, they, they look nicer. Maybe somebody's used a calligraphy pen. Uh, they, they've invested time and money into that invitation. And then you get to go and you get to get free food and free drinks and you get to listen to free music and dance, right? Who, who despises a wedding invitation? God invites us to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Listen, hear it, go, he says, come to me. So to know God is to listen to him, it's to, it's to learn about him in his word, it's to accept his invitations to us. And, and finally, he says, to know God then, given all that, is to recognize and rejoice in the love that he shows to you in his son, Jesus Christ. To recognize and to rejoice in the love that he shows to you in Jesus Christ. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, recognize and rejoice that God has come to love you in his son, Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, help us to reflect upon you and think of you rightly so that we might know you better that we might love you more, that we might serve you uh, with more of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us this week to listen to your word. Help us this week to think about it, to note your character and your nature in it. Enable us, Lord, to accept your invitation to turn from ourself, to turn to you. And Lord, grant to us your spirit that we might recognize and rejoice in your wonderful love that brings us into your eternal fellowship that we do not deserve. We praise you that you have known us. And so, Lord, we desire to know you better. We ask it all in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, amen.